the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Later tonight, we will sing a hymn that was composed by a man named Tom Colvin. It's the hymn, Jesu, Jesu. Colvin was a Church of Scotland minister, and he served as a missionary in Ghana from 1958 to 1964. Before studying theology, though, Colvin had been an engineer, so he had a lot to share when he went into the mission field. Not only did he have his smarts and his faith, but he also went into mission with a strong community of faith behind him, because he was deeply involved in the ecumenical religious community of Iona in Scotland. Like Iona itself, Colvin was passionate about justice, locally and globally. And so he took that sense of justice for all with him when he went to Ghana. He led projects in community development and training and and helped in parts of southern Africa, and he helped refugees from Mozambique find sanctuary in Malawi. He did all sorts of things, and he also wrote music. He had a good ear for music, and so he listened to Ghanaian folk tunes, and in some cases used words that they were singing and put them into English, and in other cases he, he wrote the words himself. Um, perhaps because he carried the music and the prayer of the Iona community, then he, he felt empowered to do a similar thing in Ghana. And so the most popular of his hymns in this country and in, in much of Europe is that hymn we'll sing later, Jesus, Jesus. But we will be singing a slightly updated version of that hymn, one that appears in some newer hymnals. The one that Colvin wrote that appears in our hymnal, and it's one we've usually sung, and it's always bothered me, but it's the sort of bother that I forget to do anything about once church is over. (laughs) While the hymn works in some ways to reverse the tide of colonization, if we're to think about, um, in this case, through the hymn, the Ghanaians are bringing us the word of God in their music, it still has big problems. Yes, it encourages us to serve one another, whatever that service might look like, but there's some language issues. Put bluntly, I think it's a problem that any time a bunch of white folks or privileged people of any race or every race for that matter, it's a problem any time we sing happily and glibly about slavery whether it's generalized slavery or spiritualized slavery or historic slavery or any other kind, there's a problem. The opening verse of the original hymn sings of Jesus, who kneels at the feet of his friends, silently washes their feet, master who acts as a slave to them. I don't think so. In 2017, I don't have any room to imagine Jesus as master or slave. That's not who he is for me, or I think for most of us. The final verse of the hymn, as it was in its original form, would sing, Loving puts us on our knees 
Serving as though we were slaves, this is the way we should live with you. Again, it's just not true. (laughs) And it's not good theology. And it's not the message of Christ. Though scripture uses occasionally the image of slavery, it's important for us to sort out the difference between imagery and reality and always and everywhere to interpret scripture with an honest eye to its context and a very clear understanding of our context. Just last Sunday, on Palm Sunday, we we heard the epistle reading from Philippians, and it's one of my favorite of all scripture. It's so beautiful. It's put into music again and again and again. It's one of the most significant and important passages in the New Testament. And yet there's a stumbling block or a potential stumbling block. If you recall, the scripture urges us Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Paul is writing in poetic language, in in strong language that would have caught the attention of his audience. It was in the first century. (laughs) Jesus took the form of a slave. But let's think about that for a minute. Let's be honest. Jesus never lived as a slave. Jesus was never forced to work for others. Jesus was never shipped to another country and made to work for nothing. He was never beaten or abused until he came into conflict with the religious and civil authorities of his day, action into which he stepped with his eyes wide open. And so in the letter to the Philippians, the one that urges us to have the mind of Christ in us, let's be clear that at the heart of this mind of Christ is a mind that makes a choice, that makes a clear and conscious choice. The choice he makes is to give himself over for others, for us. It's that choice itself that rules out slavery by definition. Think about that. Slavery is involuntary. One does not ask to be a slave. One is made to be a slave. To be enslaved is to be robbed of one's rights, to be reduced to property, to have one's soul dampened and denied. In fact, this season, we celebrate the deliverance from slavery. We hear about it in our first scripture reading, the one we overhear with our Jewish sisters and brothers as they celebrate Passover. Passover is about freedom from slavery. And understood in our day, it's about freedom from anything or anyone that enslaves. It's about the power of God to free us, to, to release us, to break any bonds that would ever hold us down. Whether those bonds be slavery to sin or slavery through addiction or slavery to bad relationships or behaviors or habits, God frees God's beloved. And God frees us in order to serve. 
when we sing that revised, newer version of Reverend Colvin's hymn, we'll sing one that I think gets to the very heart of what Colvin's ministry and intention were. We're called to be servants, all of us. But we are free to refuse or accept that calling. That goes to the heart of our faith. We see this in tonight's gospel. Jesus moves in the full freedom of God, even as the disciples are uncomfortable with that same freedom. Jesus chooses to wash their feet, and it upsets them. Peter says so. He doesn't want Jesus washing his feet. It's a reversal of things that he doesn't quite understand. I don't think it's only about the act of foot washing that Peter protests. It's deeper than that. Peter doesn't want Jesus serving him. Not only might it put Peter in debt to Jesus in some way he might not be able to repay, but in the service itself, the example, Peter knows Jesus well enough to know that the example is going to be living on and Peter's going to feel compelled to do the same thing. And he doesn't want a part in that kind of service. After all, the Gospels give us earlier glimmers into the disciples being all too human as they vie for position, as they look for power, as they sometimes fall into the world's order of of a pecking order and a hierarchy. And Jesus chooses to serve. He serves his friends, and presumably, because the gospel doesn't say that Judas has left the supper yet, Jesus serves Judas, his enemy. Christian service is chosen. That's the way it works. If we serve otherwise, it's something else. It might be okay. It might be helpful in the world, but it's not Christian service. It's not having the mind of Christ. If we serve out of resentment or out of duty or out of a sense of debt or out of a sense of people-pleasing, that is not the mind of Christ. It's not the spirit of the one who kneels to wash the feet of friend and enemy alike. Service like Christ is free service that involves risk. It involves being open to the outcome of that service, whatever it may be. When I choose to serve one, I never quite know whether it will be received or acknowledged. It might be rejected. One might be thanked or ignored. But if we choose to follow Christ, then we make daily choices to follow him and to serve like him and with him. In just a few minutes, we have an opportunity to imitate Christ's service as we're invited to wash the feet of another person and have our own feet washed. In some churches, you can go and there will be a a pre-appointed dozen of people who represent the holy uh, disciples. And then uh, the priest only washes the feet of the others. I don't think that quite gets the gospel right. Jesus says, do this. Love like this. Do it to one another. Have it done to you. It involves risk. It involves being vulnerable. It involves serving and being served. Now, I know that this is not everyone's piety or practice. Please know no one is taking role. If you stay in your pew, it's fine. (laughs) But especially if you stay in your pew, 
as well as if you join us in washing feet of each subsequent person, I invite you to think about where God might be calling you to serve. Where might God be calling you to choose to serve? After the foot washing, we move into the celebration of Holy Communion, this feast of joy that celebrates the faith that God has come to serve us, to serve with us, and to empower us to serve others. Friends, Christ, our Passover, has sacrificed himself for us, and therefore in grateful humility, let us keep the feast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.